This is Prairie Roam Companion, episode 73, recorded October 12th, 2011. Religious freedom, only in America? Welcome to Prairie Roam Companion, I'm Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Uh, and uh, we are, uh, it's October, I don't know, it's nice weather here. How is it in Brookings, Father? Now it's getting chill, uh, leaves are definitely on the ground. I'm still holding out on uh, starting the boiler at the Newman Center to try and uh, uh, try and save a little money here in the budget. And so You you are crazy. What is, what's the temperature up there in Brookings right now as we record? Negative 11. Negative 11. The 11. Uh, I think it's like 60 maybe or? My 11th birthday. I'm sitting at a computer. I don't have information at my fingertips. Oh, wait. Do, 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 do. You know what I mean? 52 degrees. 52 degrees and no boiler on. And you no are. And our load's going to get into 30s for the next couple of weeks, so this might be the weekend to turn it on. Raise your, ha- raise your hand for a moment, could you, Father? Oh, you do have a long sleeve. Okay. I thought, I thought you were in short sleeve clerics. I am wearing sandals, though. Yep. You have, okay. But it looks, like a, it looks like a sweater or something. No, it's my cassock. Your cassock. Oh, really? You wear the dress. There, there's the dress. There's the cassock. <laughs> it's called a cassock. Try to follow me. Cassock. I'm not familiar with it. I, I thought I thought they were I thought they were banned in this country. Yeah, but I'm an illegal. <laughs> Speaking of illegal and being banned, ooh, that's a great. Uh, I served that up for you. I was afraid you weren't going to notice it. You didn't try. Don't even give me that. I did. Oh sure, whatever. That had tater written all over it. <laughs> um, Father and I have both both come across some articles. Uh, independently, and then uh, we thought it might be a good uh, topic for, for this week's podcast, and that is the um, sort of the collision course that our culture and uh, at least certain levels of government seem to be on in terms of the agendas that are being pushed with the right to, relig- right to religious freedom, which is enjoyed, of course, by all Americans in our country, but in a particular way, that right seems to be being threatened um when it comes to Christians in general and Catholics, at least. And Father, the, the thing I really, when we get into topics like this, you know, sometimes some people hear, oh, here we go. 21st century American Catholics come, going on and on about how hard it is to be. And did they have any idea what's going on in the rest of the world right now, or let alone through history. And I certainly, I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm not, we're not going to be hyperbolic uh, and, and over inflate the danger. It's not like um, the Gestapo is knocking at our doors, right? Yeah, well, maybe maybe in Brookings. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, well, I, I, anyway, I'm not going to go where I was going to go. So, so <laughs> we're not going to, we're, 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 we're going to keep this as we always do, even keeled and sober and level-headed. Um, That's why we record our podcasts in the morning. Indeed, because we found out that podcasting in the afternoon does not work, at least for us. So, so Father, I'm for me, more on the sober side of things. Oh, oh, I was talking about our episode a couple months ago, which was a interesting experience. Yeah, I think I fell asleep while recording it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. May, may, may. 
your poor parishioners. I mean, if, if you mm-hmm. fall asleep when you're talking. Anyway, well, so Father, for, for, for me, this, uh, you know, I mean, it's always sort of been there, you know, our, 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 some of our beliefs are certainly countercultural in many ways. Um, you know, many Americans, the vast majority of Americans are, are Christians, of course, and many of them attend church on a regular basis. Uh, and yet there's certainly an element of society. Um, I, I hate to use the term, but I don't know how else to say it. The secular elites with scare quotes, uh, but, th- but th- that, you know, the, the, uh, some, some of the power centers, not all, but some of the power centers in, in our, in our country, um, are at best ambivalent, if not hostile to aspects of what we believe as Christians and as Catholics. Um, and anyway, so, so there's always, there's been this tension for, for some time. Uh, we see it of course with, with abortion and, and, and more recently now with, um, with, with the, the sort of, uh, I don't know, the conflict over the issue of same sex marriage. Um, and, and I remember, you know, when father this summer or, or maybe spring, um, when New York state was debating and then eventually did pass their, um, their law legalizing same-sex marriage. Um, one of the things that uh, Archbishop Timothy Dolan in New York City, he expressed concern after it was passed, expressed concern that there there might be some conflict in the way the law, the, the, the law that New York passed with the right to religious freedom. And he said, you know, we're just going to keep an eye on this. I mean, the proponents, those who passed the law said, no, 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 we're not going to violate anybody's you know rights religious freedom we just want to allow uh anybody who wants to marry to marry um basically uh and and archbishop dolan expressed concern at that point and we're seeing that come to fruition i mean we're 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 um trying to appeal to your rights of religious freedom and your conscience rights and maybe a county clerk in new york or something who's who has to write a uh or issue a, a marriage license to a, a gay or lesbian couple, um, you can't appeal to your right of co- or to your, to your conscience uh, in a way that has not been the case in the past. Um, and then more recently, I know, and we can talk about some other things that happened in September um, with the Department of Health and Human Services, but as a result of a lot of these things, um, the the U.S. Bishops Conference with Archbishop Dolan at, as its president um, has has established a new ad hoc committee on religious freedom. So so the bishops in our country um, certainly are are um, oh giving more and more of their own attention to this issue, Father. <clears throat> Very much so. You know, I think um, you know, and uh, the way that we're expressing our concern is that. There's a difference between the right of religion and the right of worship. I think just kind of maybe a simple, uh, fundamental way to think about it. There's between a right of uh, religion and, and the right of the exercise of religion, the right of exercise of worship. Freedom of religion and freedom um, and, of worship. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas religion require has a um, a whole larger exercising of uh, the Christian faith involved to it we can um uh, it's or i should say religion just is, is more of a global perspective on things if you want to use maybe that that uh hip phrase where it's worship is just solely in the confines of uh the church building or solely in the confines of an individual's heart 
you're free to believe in whatever God you want on the inside, but we can't let that influence anything on the outside. Because religion primarily is always that human action, that human um, uh, doing of things. Right. And um, you know, I, I know a few years ago, early on in um, President Obama's administration, internationally, the administration was starting to use that terminology of you know, really advocating for the freedom in other countries, freedom of worship. And there were some commentators who were, you know, sort of questioning that and saying, wait, wait, hold on. What's this freedom of worship to all of a sudden? We, for, along the lines you just said, we, we've always advocated for and pushed for the freedom of religion, that, that anybody, um, everybody has the right, and therefore in every nation they should be able to exercise the right not just to worship how they see fit, but to practice their religion how they see fit within, of course, within realistic norms. Um and now it seems that we're seeing, right. and I, I, Father, I, I, I don't, I'd be curious about your thoughts. I, I don't think this is conspiratorial. I don't think this is a devious plan. Um, I don't give our politicians that much credit, to be honest. Um, I, I don't think this is. For most that was, <clears throat> Yeah. Um, but, but in terms of ad, advocate now turning to the United States and, and using this, it, the same terminology is being used. I don't know that their intention from the outset was we're going to use this subtle distinction to undermine the right to to, to uh, the, the freedom of religion for all these crazy Christians and Catholics. Right. And I think, you know, there's a couple of points away to, uh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I kind of hem and haw that's not personal, because I think some people, though, don't like the voice of God in the public square. Sure. Well, Cardinal George, the Archbishop of Chicago, in his book, uh, The Difference God Makes, um, talks about the similarities between communism and contemporary secularism. Yeah. Uh, actually, pardon me, this was in a column in his diocesan newspaper, which says this is a public column of his recently. The purpose of communism and of contemporary secularism is at times the same, to create a society where God cannot appear in public to erase any evidence of religious belief from public life and to prevent the church from acting in history. Confining the church's mission to private worship, care of a belief system that can have no influence on society except on secularist terms. In this sense, secularists in this country and elsewhere are successors of the communists of last century. I can't speak about deliberate people in various government positions, although I think we'll speak about one in particular in a moment. But um, you know, it's, I do think there is a deliberateness to this. Can you elaborate? Well, precisely what Cardinal George said. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think, well, in that, in that way, I, I think that's probably, that's probably true. But I don't, I don't know that it's... Frankly, I think it's people who, who hold one position trying to beat those who hold a you different position. out and silence the voice of a different position? Yes. And, and does it <laughs> so, so happen? Oh, come on. They're trying to win the argument. I, oh, I don't know. Well, they're trying to win the argument, but they're trying to win the argument by shutting up the opponent, not allowing them a public avenue in which to express their argument. All right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right? Yes. I mean, that's, that, 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 that's, that's their means of arguing. The means of arguing is to shut you up. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. That's true. I do agree with that. 
And, and that's precisely then a political action. It's not intellectual action. It's not an intellectual matter of winning an argument. It's the political operation, the political operative of um, uh, uh, silencing your opponents so they have no avenue and no voice in society. He who shouts loudest wins, basically, um, or, or silences. Well, and you don't shout very loud when you don't allow anyone else to shout. Yeah, yeah, you know, a recent local example of that, more to the mid Midwest, is been several Star Tribune editorials. Um, no, up in no. State Paul, Minneapolis. So right. why, why are you subject? I, I stopped reading. You know, I, I, I'm from Minnesota. I lived for several years in Minneapolis. Um, for the sake of my sanity, I stopped reading uh, Red Star editorials many years ago. Uh, uh, the Star Tribune, uh, I, I read this actually from um, a blog, had this article uh, the other day um, talking about this, uh, the whole thing going on. Um, so trying to find uh, the reference. I, I didn't plan this reference. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, they're, they're essentially telling the church uh, that, to shut up, uh, to not have an, an argument or discussion uh, in it. Uh, anyways, so it's, it's interesting. You know, some people are just saying, you know, be quiet. Editors right. at the Minnesota Star Tribune, you yeah. know, have explained to the church, uh, you know, you should shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's definitely a side that's uh, a segment of our society that, that advocates that. And I think that's why, you know, well, maybe we talk. That, that's why the bishops are um, are, are really uh, paying more and more attention to this. Uh, let's talk, Father, a little bit about the um, the conscience clause in um, the, the health care legislation that was passed last year. Um, last month, the bishops of our, of our country um invited Catholics to to sign a petition um, asking the Department of Health and Human Services to revisit this conscience clause. So, so what's going on here? Do you, do you know the details of this at all? Uh, I'm not sure if I know more than what you, what you said there. Um, I haven't heard, as far as I know, there hasn't been a response to the discussion period closed at the end of September, if I'm not mistaken. But what's September the back? 30. What's the background? What's the nature of the the exception that's it, the conscience clause that's in there that the bishops are so concerned about? That was regarding uh, contraceptions, abortifacients, and sterilization. Okay, yes. Yep. And so uh, they, they, they said that Health and Human Services uh, and I think another group uh, created by the Affordable Health Care Act um, decided that, uh, well, this is in the act that um, says that all health insurance plans must, must, are required to, must uh, supply artificial contraception uh, and sterilization as a uh, preventative care uh, for, uh, uh, that's, that's all insurance plans no matter who provides the insurance plan. Uh, the government is requiring that. And they have limited uh, consciousness, conscious exception, but uh, Theoretically, it would mean that Catholics could only not supply, would only not be required to supply that in their healthcare program. So, the healthcare plan by a Catholic school, by a Catholic diocese for its employees, uh, by a Catholic university, they would be required to uh, supply sterilization and artificial contraceptions, which are often abortifacient, uh, against our conscience to all our employees that would ask for them. Uh, include, the only way we'd be accepted from that is if all our employees were Catholic. 
And so essentially that almost makes the church to be ghettoized, precisely what Cardinal George was saying about, you know, the desire to take the church out uh, from being an acting person in history. And unfortunately, I don't have to remember the details and I don't have them at hand, but something about the the Mm -hmm. conscience clause being so narrow that virtually everybody um, or virtually no Catholic health care health plan um, would be exempt from it because it because it was it was it wasn't just that everybody had to be Catholic, but even what you did. I mean, the the, the religious right. freedom exception was so was a, a, extremely narrow. Right. Exactly. So <clears throat> exactly. It was uh, um, very. And then that was our concern. Um, and so even like Catholic universities were writing in with their concern about it, Catholic university presidents uh, and others. You know, one of the things that was interesting to me just in terms of this more ecclesial, ecclesiastical politics, so to speak, which is, is, is sometimes amusing, but more often than not edifying. But uh, during the, the debate over health care reform, um, it seemed at some points that there was that the bishops were at odds or well. That there was disagreement between some of the the, the Catholic Health Association, um, which represents many Catholic hospitals, and um, and the U.S. bishops. The the, the CHA seemed to be, in fact, did uh, endorse the um, uh, in, endorse the the, the Affordable Health Care Act. Um, and well, the U.S. bishops were very seriously concerned about what it said about you know about exactly this about abortion rates. But now, fast forward about a year and a half later. Both the Bishops' Conference and CHA are are very, pretty unified on this, that, that the conscience clause um, that the Department of Health and Human Services uh, is has has written into the plan or has in the plan is extremely narrow. And, and, and there's certainly, it seems to be a, a pretty united front across the ecclesiastical spectrum on this, uh, don't you think? Definitely. I think, although the... <laughs> The cynic in me kind of wonders, is that because CHA is uh, generally concerned, or is that because uh, they got brought into line after misstepping uh, oh. during the, yeah. uh, the election of that? And so, leopards yeah. and well, spots. That, to, me, yeah. to me, the fact that they're speaking publicly, I mean, they could just be quiet, but they're, they're actually speaking. Yeah. So. so, anyway. So, by- yeah, yeah. So, there's certainly... Um, uh, more attention being paid, uh, greater attention being paid to it by the, the church, by the hierarchy of the church. Um, you know, Father, you know, this is this is a question to you that I didn't give you in advance, so feel free to punt because I don't want to be unfair. What do we do, and particularly for for me as a layman, not for me as a as, as a. Um, Somebody who's in works for the diocese, but it's just as a Catholic layman, um, what do we do? Be, are we reduced to letter writing? I mean, we- uh, well, I think in the near term, I think that's a great near term activity, letter writing, um, uh, things like that. I think the uh, long term goals for all Catholic laymen and women is to make sure one that you're learning about things like the natural law. Yeah, um, we talked about with the Berzhevsky. Um, book, uh, what we can't not know. Uh, but also, I think, to realize that uh, it's part of our duty, our requirement as Catholics to be outreaching, to be evangelizing. Um, you know, First uh, John chapter 1 says that uh, essentially believers in Jesus aren't born, 
by human generation, they're born by God. And I think for us to uh, to focus in that way of you know how am I reaching out to my coworkers, my family, my friends about uh, the life of Jesus Christ and how to move forward in that way. Right. And that's going to be the biggest issue going forward in the next fifty years. But prognosticator of prognosticators. There we go. Tony. <laughs> Good movie. Um, but that's a, okay. Just to push back a little bit. That's. I, to me, that, that is the most effective long-term strategy, but it's a long-term strategy. What do we do in the short term? What can Catholics who are already on board, who already are familiar with the basics of the natural law, who already are evangelized, you know, I mean, th- there's still a, fortunately. Well, we're evangelizing now. Yeah. So, so there's, so in the short term, there's nothing we can do. I don't know political expert. I, well, that, that's honestly, it's my, I, 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 that my answer to my own question is I'm not sure that there is. I think I, the key is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one thing. I, I don't. I think I've used it. I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not sure if I've used it on the podcast before. Um, a little uh, little phrase that I really like: politics is downstream from culture. Um, certainly running for office is important. We need uh, well-formed right. Catholics in political office, but we also need to change the culture. Uh, and I think everything that you spoke to earlier does that. Um, I, 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 I'm, what I'm looking for, and I don't know what it is, and it may not exist, but some public manifestation um, beyond, the, just the, beyond the witness of... of, of, of um, Meet solid Catholic families, some public manifestation of of what we believe. But I, I don't know if there is anything beyond just simply witnessing to our faith in our own lives, in our own marriages, in our own families. Um, well, I think there's one option: martyrdom. <laughs> Next. <laughs> well, I mean, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Indeed. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to be, as you said, we're, we're level-headed, we're sober. And I'm not saying that in the next 50 years, you know, Catholics will be martyred in the United States. But, you know, you might have to suffer in some way because of your faith and your beliefs. Um, and the fact that it's not just an internal thing, but an external thing. And uh, so you might have to get fired. Right. Yeah. 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 So... You know, uh, speaking of getting fired, that brings to, I think, one topic we just want to bring up a newsworthy thing on today, the uh, 13th day of October, and that is a current uh, case before the Supreme Court of the United States. Yep. Um, so, uh, which is which is actually uh, involving a Lutheran minister. Uh, but right now what's going on is that arguments are being made by the Justice Department um, saying that um, essentially there used to be uh, there's a notion in the law that there is a ministerial exception uh, uh, that churches are free in a certain sense to determine who is qualified to be a minister in the church right 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 yep uh, and so um, and so with that but right now it appears like the Justice Department lawyer, um, is trying to say that that is not a right of religious group. Um, you know, that the government's interest in preventing discrimination trump a religious group's principles. Um, and that's that's kind of the main question being asked. 
Yep. And what the government defines as discrimination. Um, you know, and so they, uh, so essentially what the door that's being opened uh, in this uh, discussion is that uh, the government could decide now for churches, in theory, uh, who is and who is not qualified or give a recourse uh, to, uh, uh, if this argument uh, passes muster uh, from the Supreme Court, that those who are upset uh, in some way could have a legal recourse to sue or take legal action upon a church for dismissing or not allowing them entrance into the ministry because the church by her own standards feels that they're unqualified. Right. So for example, um, you know, there could be a priest who gets married and uh, in a sense, essentially and forsakes his priesthood and he could sue uh, the bishop in his parish, the diocese for not allowing him uh, to serve as priest in his parish anymore. Right. And what's the problem? What's the problem with that? I don't know what the problem is with that. I see. I see no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I, you never know what happens um, with the Supreme Court. I'd be shocked if this case gets, uh, I don't know, I don't know, won or decided in a way that just blows this open. But stranger things have happened. So, Right, and I think that's amazing to see. I mean, the arguments, uh, the, the Supreme Court was pretty incredulous about this argument. I mean, they were kind of in disbelief. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, even uh, those might be considered more, uh, even uh, uh, Justice um, uh, Kagan, who was promoted, uh, nominated by the current administration being represented by the Justice Department um, seems to be a little incredulous about what's going on as well. But so the fact that, I, I, maybe to, to the, the, the larger point or the issue of concern, this is the administration's argument. Right. That the administration, now I mean right now they're saying um, it's, not in their, it's not in the administration's interests to pursue things like uh, uh, male-only priesthood or a celibate priesthood in Catholic Church, or some other requirements um, that Orthodox Jewish rabbis shouldn't run pork barbecue businesses. Um, but in theory, they're opening that door with the, the decisions granted in the Justice Department's favor. That, that door is now open. Right. Right. Yeah. So this goes. I mean, to my, back to my earlier point about you know the pursuit of an agenda and so on. And I, I think what ha oftentimes happens is. Um, you have, uh, you know, so it's President Obama elected into power, and, I, and honestly, I don't think he's uh, a closet radical or uh, somebody who's who's pushing a, a seriously anti-Christian agenda. Um, nonetheless, many of the people who follow in his wake, I think, are more interested in pursuing a more radical agenda, and so they get into to positions which aren't maybe as visible positions of power within uh, the bureaucracy and they start to have, have an impact right um, so not elected officials in that sense indeed so so I think there's definitely something you know as Americans we're called to be faithful citizens of course and I think we need to uh, we all need to be stay aware insofar as we are called and able stay aware of what's going on in our in our 
the political life of our state, our nation, our communities, and so on. But certainly pray for our country, pray for wisdom and for virtue um, for, for our nation and for her leaders. Um, and uh, then do what we can to, to make sure that, that uh, frankly, the truth prevails. Well, truth always prevails, just a matter of whether while I'm alive or while I'm not. Indeed. Uh, and that, I'm praying for while we're alive. That's what I mean. So, anyway, all right. Any final thoughts, Father, or want to leave it like that? Not for me. Okay. All right. Thanks very much again for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Prayer Own Companion. God bless.